Mm-hmm. Like I, I legit travel mm-hmm. and eat. You know, I do so much more than that, obviously. But like to think that that, you know, I, I obviously wasn't thinking big enough when I had that dream because I do do so much more today. But to know that that's something I said before and I felt like didn't exist and I'm literally living it out. It's crazy. It's amazing. It's it's I can't really fully describe it besides um that. It's been a really dope journey. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me, Wanda. My name is Jalen Elam. I am originally from Dayton, Ohio. I currently reside in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and the name of my business is Syzygy. So let's talk about your affinity for food. (laughs) And when did it start? And when did you notice this pattern? Yes. Um, I always get that question, actually, when people learn my background is in food. So yeah, so honestly, food has kind of always been the thread of my life. And I say that because even when I was younger, you know, like I spent a lot of time cooking with my mom. um, And that really came from, you know, mornings when she would be at work and she'd call me and say, hey, could you take this out? Could you put this in the crock pot? Could you add this? And next thing you know, I've like made Sunday's dinner um, and I enjoyed it. And so I continue to cook, honestly, probably since the age of 10. Um, And when I was in in high school, I also had the opportunity to do these yearly things called science fair projects. And so I was so intrigued by food that I did science fair projects that were related to food science and, you know, like little studies kind of understanding certain things such as like, what's the best way to thaw your chicken? You know, like when I was in ninth grade and learning about food safety and everything. And then when I learned that I could actually like potentially build a career out of it, like that was the best thing ever. So I decided to then go on to undergrad at Tuskegee University and study food science, which was the best decision of my life. Um, and honestly, since then, I've just become even more immersed in the world of food science. I currently work as a sensory scientist and I support a nutrition company creating products for consumers that not only are really good for you, but also taste good. And so my journey really, I would say stems from just like my childhood and just really being curious about food. Like, honestly, like so curious that I wanted to study it. Um, So that's where the journey has um, taken me. So today I work as a food scientist slash sensory scientist. And um, when I was in graduate school, I, I also did some traveling and I kind of planned these trips centered around food experience, which also helped me get my start with what Syzygy is today. And I owe everything to food. I love it. I love having conversations with people who also love food. Um, yeah, that's where I've gotten my start. That's that's kind of what the, the craziness about food comes from for me. Like looking back, what your parents kind of say the same thing, like, oh, she was always in a bowl <laughs> or on a plate. 
Yo, definitely. My mom would probably say that I owe her <laughs> some credit because she taught me everything I knew. She definitely would make that claim. But yeah, she knows that I've always loved food. Like I've always loved cooking. Um, I've always loved trying new things, um, playing around and probably cooking some things that she probably didn't want me to when I was younger. But my curious mind led me to that. So she definitely would agree. She This is no surprise to her at all. <laughs> I saw a post that you did breaking down the differences between gelato and ice cream, um, which was inspired by a trip you took to Italy. <laughs> yes. And let me just say, when I was there, I absolutely ate ice cream every day that I was there. <laughs> Good thing I was only there for a week because... For real. But it's it's really interesting the way you talk about it, like you break it down in a very accessible way. Mm-hmm. Um, but how the different parts make it taste the way that it is, the temperature being different between the two gelato and ice cream, mm-hmm. the fat content being different, which affects the taste. Like I, it was just, you know, for lack of a better word, it's like geeky, nerdy, like... <laughs> The details of it, uh, because, you know, a lot of us, unless it's something we're super passionate about, like we don't mm-hmm. get into the details. We don't get into the weeds about it. Mm-hmm. But that really is so cool how you describe the user experience of it, I guess you could say. Yeah. I'm assuming, yeah. Could you break down wine in the same way? Because I know you are a wine lover. <laughs> uh, I am a wine lover. I can't 100% say I can break it down because I'm not in the science of it. Um, but I know like some some kind of general things and I have some good friends who are in the industry also. Um, I, I guess one thing I can share that I do know that I know it's like it's pretty simple, but not a lot of people do. But the difference in like white and red wines and I, I've introduced this kind of to people who tend to start out their wine journey drinking like really sweet wines of white wines. Um, and then they make their way to, their way to red and they're kind of like, mm, you know, like, you know, what's the difference here? And generally speaking, the um, the red wines are actually um, remain on the skins during the process. And so it's able to retain its color and the red color. And um, within the red, also, you have things called tannins that are more present in red wine. And tannins are usually responsible for the bitterness of red wine as well. Um, and then also in retaining that color, you get a lot more of the antioxidants and everything. Um, and so those are phytonutrients that um, are responsible for <clears throat> a lot of different things in your body. So when people say red wine is much healthier for you and like people feel a little bit better when they like indulge or overindulge in drinking like red wine, it's just because it actually does have a bit more of the nutrients um, naturally present in it just because of the process in creating red wine versus the white wine. So the white wine is, um, you could say, more so stripped of its color, essentially. Just think about many things, honestly. In general, your diet should be very colorful. And so um, it's no different in thinking about, like, you know, well, which wine is, like, healthier for you? Typically, the the red wines are definitely healthier. Um, But they do because they do retain some of the tannins um, in the process. They are going to be a bit more bitter. So, like, some people are not too fond of red wine because of that. I personally love red. It's probably my favorite. I drink more red than I do white. But yeah, so the difference in the process there is something that is key in understanding um, like why the red wines are deeper 
and why the white wines aren't and why people say red wine is better for you as well. So that's something I've shared just because I know that that's fairly simple to understand. And then also like, you know, it may make you feel a little bit better <laughs> when you have two glasses of Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> After a long week. Just trying to round this diet out, you know. <laughs> yes. Enjoy. enjoy. <laughs> Do you have a go-to red wine? A go-to. Hmm. I'm trying to see. I, I don't know a brand right off because I do try different things. I'm trying to think. I when I do drink red, I do like a Pinot Noir. That's one of my favorite red wines to drink. And when I am drinking white. I I like a good Chardonnay, um, and I like a good Chardonnay because it's a white wine that has, to me, like a lot of character. And I guess you know, and and with Chardonnay, a lot of them are aged in oak, and that's why you get like the oakiness when you're drinking a Chardonnay. Like that's something that's very um, characteristic of a Chardonnay, and I appreciate that like extra character. So I would say those two wines are probably my go-to wines. Yeah. Do you have a perfect palate? Like, are you able to like break things down? But does that exist? Is that even a thing? That's so funny. <laughs> I have a good friend who um, she is the she's an engineer, so she she works at the same company as me, and she calls me a smart taster. So she tells everyone I have smart taste buds, and she just does that. She teases me, but then also because um, that's what I do in my day to day. Honestly, like I'm a sensory scientist, and so a lot of my job does involve me profiling foods. And that looks like, you know, tasting a product and being able to identify certain attributes and characteristics of it. And then also within identifying those attributes, can I, can I identify the intensities of it? Um, can I identify how, how much more intense, you know, one is from another? And then I kind of like use that inside and information to work with product developers who are actually in the labs creating formulas. And um, like we, like I work really close with them to get that work done. So it does involve me having to be very intentional when I'm tasting things at work. Like I can't just taste fully for fun. I have, there's work <laughs> involved. And so um, I think my friend teases me because sometimes that does bleed over into my personal life where I'm tasting things when we're out to eat and I'm like overanalyzing probably <laughs> whatever it is that we're eating. But I enjoy it. I, I don't think I have a perfect palate by any means at all. Um, but I I think that it's definitely something that I've become intentional with. And so because of that, it's a skill that I have gained over the past few years in my career. And I hope to grow and continue to grow, honestly, because I, I love that about myself that I can kind of pick up on the nuances of things sometimes. Uh, I never want to come off like a snood when I'm eating casually. So I, yeah, I try to keep my spaces separated at times, but I know some people appreciate learning. So yeah, sometimes there are those opportunities, but I wouldn't say I have a perfect, perfect palate. I love what I do though. Does it become like a meditative practice at some point? Because like a lot of people, maybe you taste the first couple bites, be like, this is good. And then like you're talking or you're on your phone or you're not really absorbed in the meal anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're asking, like, is it kind of like a practice of it where you have to be present and um, mindfulness? Yes. Mindful. I would say so. I would say so. Um, definitely. I think I find myself sometimes and in all honesty in my career. And this is just like kind of being transparent. And I know that's 
really kind of the goal of the conversation. In my career, I've worked with people who have had exposure um, and access, you know, all throughout their lives. And so they've tasted things I've never tasted and they have experienced things that I haven't. They've had that early start, jump start, honestly. And so, you know, a part of me wanting to be better at what I do and be able to show up at these tables and have something to say, I sometimes do take time, um, personal time, at home kind of just tasting things and being mindful and being present in that moment so I can really understand a little bit more and be able to show up a little bit better in these spaces where it's really it's not a level uh, playing field sometimes just because of certain disadvantages and my upbringing and maybe some of my counterparts. But I think that some of the practice has become that a little bit and that is definitely intentional with me just wanting to be better at what I do but also creating I don't know there's a hmm, there is a sense of peace in it and again this is just the love I have for food that runs so deep but I think it definitely is something that kind of has become a form of meditation for me it kind of takes me to the trip that you did your very first trip where you were just testing out your idea with your friends and you went to, I think it was Montreal, somewhere in Canada. Mm-hmm. And you had an experience yeah. of eating in the dark, which like mm-hmm. black people don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they looked at me so crazy when I told them, them that we were gonna do black, black people do that now though. <laughs> no, the, the listeners of the podcast, like we do all kinds of stuff, you know, we're all kinds of adventurous. Mm-hmm. So, but that's really it. That's a really interesting experience to eat in the dark. Your, your, your senses. Mm-hmm. So, like you even, <laughs> even while you're not working, you're uh-huh, working. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to take your friends on this sensory experience. Yes. That's so cool. What What was that like eating in the dark? What did they say too? So that when I took that group, that was my second time. I tried to do things first before I just take a group of people. Um, and they enjoyed it. They were definitely like, what the heck is this? Kind of like what you just said, like, there's always that moment of like, black people do not do this, Jay, you know, but like, that's my goal, like on these trips, like, I want to push people beyond their limits. I want to introduce new things, new ways of thinking, you know, like I want them to leave the trip and like talk about that experience and like encourage someone else to do it because now they know like it's actually kind of cool. So everyone had a really good experience. It's so funny. It, it's naturally just going to be like a funny experience because you can't see anybody. You just kind of are talking. You're trying to plat- pass plates you're trying to, oh, can I try what you have? And you're like two seats away and you can't even see them or barely reach them. So naturally funny things are going to happen. You may drop a fork, you know, you can't pick it up. So you have to wait <laughs> on your um, your waiter or waitress to come. And funny enough, your, your waiter and waitress, they have some type of impairment, um, visual impairment and so the cool thing is like you're kind of like living their their life or in their world for a short period of time and like they're the expert you know like you drop a fork they can pick it up it's really cool so I think it was a very much so appreciated experience for people and the food is really good too I wouldn't say like there's a phenomenon of well you know your senses are heightened and that's more like um of a biological like change over time as your body adjusts to a new norm if like you do lose a sense 
But I will say that in an experience like this, you are forced to rely on certain senses, you know, like you're forced to be more intentional with hearing, you're forced to be more intentional with tasting your food, but you can't see it. There's like, there's a lack of expectation when you are brought your plate and you can't see it, you know, like you can't jump up and down and be like, oh my gosh, I'm about to like tear the steak up because you can't see the steak, you know? So you could just, all you know is that it sounded good on the menu and just go off of your taste, which is a different experience. Honestly, like there's definitely some psychological um, shifts that happen when you, your expectations are kind of like have changed or removed in a sense. So Everyone had a really good experience. I recommend it. It's a cool thing to do, honestly. Um, yeah. And they have, I have, so that restaurant is based out of Canada. They have one in Toronto and one in Montreal, and it's called Anwar. But I believe we may have a restaurant in Northern California, maybe, with a similar concept. Otherwise, they're pretty popular in Europe. So, or they have been, I don't know, recently what that looks like, but if you're ever in one of those locations, highly recommend you check it out. It's just something fun to do. Honestly, it's a great conversation starter for a later time. So so tell us about your experience growing up. So you got you went on to grow up to get your Bachelor of Science in Biology, Food Science and Technology, and then you got a Master's in Food Science and Technology. So you three degrees mm-hmm. deep. What kind of people did you come from? What kind of mindset <laughs> did you come from um, to endure like the education field like that? <laughs> and I do say endure because like, especially like in Ohio. So you were in Tuskegee, you were in Alabama, you were in Alabama. Um, yeah. Which may be a I different experience as a student, I'm not sure. And then like mm-hmm. in Ohio as a young black woman, um just yeah share some of your experiences please yeah so hmm I think that so I don't know I've always had this thing inside of me just I don't know something innate that just wanted more out of life honestly like always just wanted more always overly ambitious always jumping in opportunities and I don't know where that really comes from but I know that I've kind of just I know my mom went to school, my sister, my older sister, someone I've always looked up to also did. And so I knew I had to go to school. Um, I didn't know what that was going to look like fully, but I knew like it was just kind of like an unspoken thing. And they both went to HBCU. So I wanted to go to an HBCU because of that. And I'm so happy I did. I love my HBCU. I love spending time in Alabama for five years. Very much so different, I'm sure. Um, and specifically in Tuskegee, <laughs> which is smaller and more country than some of the other bigger cities there, but definitely a great experience. Um, my mindset, I'm trying to think, I, I think it was just formed early on by like just always getting involved in things, honestly, like even just like student council in middle school, you know, and just having opportunities, even though I attended these public schools, um, that were mostly black, like anytime we did have like some opportunities um, to do something different, I always jumped at them. And then I think that because of that, like I was always in mind when things came up. So teachers or people who were leading programs like would think about me for opportunities. And so I went on to high school. I did internships while in high school, which was great. I, I got great experience working 
as an engineering intern at an Air Force base. I did, I did, two, I think two internships. Um, and I, that's when I got a taste for like money because like I made some really good money as a high school and I was like, oh yeah, like I have to live a good life. <laughs> like I need more of this. And so I, um, one on a college. I did internships then. I just really always put myself out there to do more. And, and I think that that has set me up for success for where I am today. That set me on a path where I am self-reliant in terms of, you know, like motivation, self-motivated. And um, I, I just, I've gotten more clarity on what I, what I want out of life by just trying different things and learning like what works for me, what doesn't work for me. I think there's so much beauty in that. And now I'm being in my twenties in my late twenties, like that's what my twenties has been. It's just trying different things. When I started Syzygy, I really wanted to create a life and a lifestyle out of this. And so, you know, like it's been, it's been a journey for sure, but I think, you know, it's, it's no surprise to people I grew up with. It's no surprise to my family that I'm even doing it, you know, and sometimes I wonder, am I crazy when I'm like taking on much more than I probably should be? And I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, why do I have to overcomplicate my life? But I know that I've just always been this way and I've always gotten through it. So yeah, I think a lot of it just really has shown up throughout my life in terms of the mindset that I have. I can't really pinpoint where I, where it comes from, but I can say that it's, it's, there's a pattern here. Like I've always just jumped at things and it, it has taught me so much. I'm so thankful. I don't know what the heck I saw a post that said something similar, but I don't know what the heck it is and where it comes from, but I know that I want so much more out of life. And so I'm thankful that I have that. And it, it gives me purpose. It gives me vision. You know, this mindset really, I think is, it's really like what gets me through each day. Honestly, it's just, waking up and seeing more out of life and going after it. So, yeah. Were your parents supportive? Because this must have, like you said, existed within you from time, like mm-hmm. probably from the moment you came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. Um, I would say that overall, like my, my, um, I grew up in a single parent household. So my mom, I usually, when you say parents, I go back to the same mom, <laughs> but I, um, I would say that overall my mom, like she wasn't unsupportive, you know, I think that she did what she could, what she had and what she knew. And so I think back to like what I have liked a little more support sometimes like, yeah, but um, I never really felt like there was nothing I, there wasn't anything I couldn't do, you know? Do you think there's any particular message that she gave you like directly or indirectly, like from watching her? Yeah, I think so. It's funny you asked about the support thing um, and I've had to kind of shift my mindset about support a little bit. And I think that that's a part of it, you know, like I knew my mom loved me. And honestly, I I think that what she taught me indirectly was that she believed in me and, you know, it like trying to figure out the best way to explain it. Like she believed in me so much that she never really, like she knew I could do it, you know, like it was never a moment of her feeling like she had to coddle me, you know, like, or, um, so much so that it potentially could become like limiting. 
I think she just gave me my wings, essentially, you know, like, I think she just 100% gave those to me. I don't know if it was intentional or not. I don't know if she knew that's what she was doing, but that's what happened. And so when I got those wings, I literally just, I just took flight and, you know, I never really, she never really had to push me to do anything. I just kind of did, but I knew I had the freedom to do it too, you know, if that makes sense. I think that that's something that I got out of my childhood. And, you know, if you, if I look back on like the traditional sense of like, you know, what it looks like to be a supportive parent, everything, like it probably doesn't look like the traditional aspect of it, but I, I think the best way to kind of like describe it is just that, like she gave me my wings, you know, and because she knew I could fly. <laughs> that sounds so cliche <laughs> in saying that out loud, but I, I really think that's what happened. Like she already knew what I was capable of and it wasn't her thing to coddle, you know? And so, yeah, like that's kind of what her style was. What has changed about your idea of support? Because as an entrepreneur, <laughs> so not only do you have Sizzy G, you also yeah. have a foundation, um, the Sizzy G Foundation, and you also have Travel Teeth mm-hmm. that funds the Sizzy G Foundation, and you are mm-hmm. basically trying to help students be available for study abroad opportunities, um, so giving them financial, mm-hmm. global, and social resources mm-hmm. yep. to be able to do that. So with all of these, and I also read that you like have mm-hmm. some help from your friends in regards to like marketing and branding. Um, but like, what has your experience mm-hmm. with support been? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I kind of mentioned that like shift in what support looks like. And I guess like what I've had to learn to just get through is to not take anything personally and I say that because you know sometimes it's just not someone's agenda you know like sometimes like your goals and your you know your success your personal success and everything like it's just not on anyone else's agenda to a hundred give you a hundred percent of what you need in terms of like support and so you know I definitely have like a great support system generally speaking, friends, family, and everything. But I, I just, I guess I've just learned to like, not not take it personally when they can't support me or like, when they don't reshare something, when they don't purchase something, when they haven't traveled on a trip, you know, like my, just because they're my family and friends does not mean they're my target, you know, market or audience. So I've learned to just kind of like, you know, to find also circles within entrepreneurship of people who wear like it kind of more so is their agenda, you know, like they get it a little bit more. And so because of that, they're more inclined to naturally just be supportive because they get it. And I've decided just not to take it personally when people don't get it, even if it's friends or family. And um, yeah. And sometimes support, support just shows up differently. Sometimes it's not a, purchase of something. Sometimes it is a, hey, I see what you're doing. I'm so proud of you, you know, and everybody kind of shows it a little bit differently. And I honestly, girl, I feel like I just take what I what I can get sometimes and I know where I can get more if I need it. But I don't, I try not to let it interfere with my personal relationships because I can't 
make it their responsibility to do these things necessarily. Now, if they're doing the opposite of it, that's obviously something completely different. You know, if they're just bashing and and being negative, like something completely different. But I don't, you know, fault them if they don't support me 100%, like I, I want them to. How, like, you know, what for me would be ideal? Like, obviously I want them to buy things. Obviously I want them to book a trip. Um, and you know, that's just not everyone's agenda. So that's kind of where, where my mindset has gone of kind of a, yeah, just not taking it personally, honestly, because that will leave you crazy. If you're always mad and taking it personally, like when someone close to you isn't like sharing something or buying something like, you know, like I'm as often as that will likely happen. I'd rather not feel bad about it. You know, I'd rather choose to, um, I don't know, I guess look at it with a more neutral lens sometimes. Where have you been able to find the support that you're looking for? Yeah, um, so that's a good question too. I think a lot of it honestly has come mostly in my time here in Grand Rapids. So when I first moved here, which I moved here for my job as a sensory scientist. When I first moved here, I got involved with a program called Spring GR, which was kind of like um, an accelerator program where it was a 12 week, it was 12 weeks of you in entrepreneurship being given like certain resources for you to like really figure out your business and your brand and, and everything. And then when you graduated, they also gave you resources. So a community of entrepreneurs, I met them while here and they kind of were like the foundation of me building out this this support within the entrepreneurship space. But honestly, like over time, I've connected with so many more people just through social media, through, um, you know, conferences, through word of mouth, like someone who I know thinks it'd be great if they connect me with someone that they know. And all of these people have kind of like made up this um, kind of like an ecosystem of you know, what it looks like to be a young, uh, most of the time black entrepreneur, most of the time women too, most of them are women, what it looks like to be that. And so they just naturally like, they see a grant and they're like, oh girl, like you need to apply to this, you know, and they send that to me. I can't expect my friends and family who know nothing about it to do things like that, you know, even though, you know, obviously I would hope if they saw something, they would send it to me, but it's just not, you know, it's kind of not where their focus is. So I have a lot of really um, dope friends in my entrepreneurship circle who have done that. And that's amazing. Um, and then I have some really great college friends, too, who have shown up for me anytime I needed them. I had like a relaunch brunch when I when I relaunched Syzygy and um, they all flew to Chicago in like February. It's like freaking cold. They're from Alabama. or somewhere down south mostly and they all came up here to support me and so like that showed that just showed me so much and I think just a combination of these different groups at different capacities really is super fulfilling um there's never a moment where I don't feel like I'm not believed in I am not um looked at as you know like being taken seriously I, I think I definitely get that from a variety of circles, but 
kind of bringing it back to the one specifically where there's the entrepreneurs that one I, I gained over the past like three years of living here in Michigan and really just getting more into being the founder and CEO of Syzygy. So you took your, so Syzygy means a pair of connected or corresponding things and something that you connected, something mm-hmm. that caught in your mind was food was just one aspect of culture. So you started with food. Um, you started with a blog while you were in grad school. It was food, feels, mm-hmm. and flavor. And it was just like a creative outlet for you, right? And you said, you know, you just needed something to do to get away from all the technical stuff you were doing. Mm-hmm. So w- from that blog, you know, you wanted to try to do some trips. So you did that trip to Canada. And it was yes. based mm-hmm. on food. It was food focused. It was food centered. But then you were like, actually, like the cool thing about traveling is the culture and food is just one aspect of that. And so you wanted to try and broaden the experience. And that's where your that's how you began to curate your trips. Mm -hmm. And also, like as you were traveling, you know, making connections with people um, along the way as well. Mm -hmm. So how has it been to see your idea expand? How has it been to grow with your idea, essentially? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that has been amazing, honestly, because it's just really dope to look back at where I got my start. And you mentioned Food Feels Flavor, which is in the archives of that. Um, And just to see where I am today and like the following that we have um, gotten and the engagement over the years and um, people who are so excited and interested in going on our trips like that, that feels really good. And that's growth. Um, And I've definitely grown with the brand too, because, you know, like you said, like going from like something that was just so, so close and dear to me, which, which was food. And so obviously like that's, that was naturally where I got my start because of that. But then, like, as I continued traveling and as I continued meeting people and working with people within the space and like, you know, like, I'm like, man, like food is amazing. I love food. Food will always be the center of it all to me. But there are so many other layers um, to culture that I want people to recognize, um, which is a part of the experience, too. And so that's when I decided to kind of broaden it up a little bit. So that way I could, um, you know, have the opportunity just to introduce people to new things in general, not just new things related to food. And that was a part of the growth. And so because of that shift within the company, you know, like I kind of shifted personally too. So, you know, when I'm looking for cool things to do, when I personally travel, I'm looking for things that eventually like I could do on one of my trips with my group. Because, again, I like to try to do things first before I just drag people along or at least like I'd like to I like to have a good sense of what it is. And, you know, if I have like really good people that I know and they have a company, too, and they've done it with your group, they can give me some insight. Then maybe I'd add it to the um, itinerary. But generally speaking, I like to try to do these things first. So my mindset has shifted a little bit because of that where when when I'm kind of scouting out, I'm looking for different things that I can experience personally, and then I can then bring back for the group. Um, I also think with the growth of everything and just kind of getting busier, 
I it just challenged me to strategize a little bit as a business owner. Like, where do I see us in five years? Um, you know, what do I? How do I want us to look? How do I want um, people to experience us with growth? You kind of like start having those kinds of questions because you kind of start realizing, like, wow, like this is something people actually kind of appreciate. And you know, and and I think that sometimes people would think that travel is just a leisure thing. You know, it's just like something that's super leisure. It's like laying on the beach, whatever. And it's not like, I think that travel is necessary. And especially for um, black travelers, I think it's so, so necessary for us to go and see something different and really broaden our um, mindset in these experiences. And then also people need to see us too in doing it. You know, we need to be shaping our own narratives abroad. So I just think there's more responsibility that's kind of that I have taken on in the growth of everything, just because I want to make sure I'm being intentional about all of the work that we're doing. But it's been amazing to see, like it's freaking 2020. And I started this all kind of like, I think back in 2016, or I at least had a thought about it back in 2016, because I remember one of my really good friends asking me right when I started grad school, I almost went to culinary school. <laughs> like, I think that summer I moved to Columbus for grad school. And I was like, eh, like, more food. Like, I need more food. And so I almost went to culinary school. But that was like a quick moment. And I was like, eh, I don't know. So um, she asked me, like, well, what would you do? And what would you do if there was something you could do for free? Like, every day for the rest of your life. Something like that. And I was like, honestly, like, I probably would travel and, like, eat food or something like that. Like, just kind of something outlandish. And I told her, I was like, that doesn't exist. So, you know, this is just me dreaming. And then I think she challenged me, like, and said, we'll make it exist. And I have. (laughs) So with Syzygy, with my career, like, and that's why I really wanted my session to kind of be about how can you do both? Because I think for me, doing both has been building my dream out. Like I, I legit travel and eat. You know, I do so much more than that, obviously. But like to think that that, you know, I, I obviously wasn't thinking big enough when I had that dream because I do do so much more today. But to know that that's something I said before and I felt like didn't exist and I'm literally living that out. Um, it's crazy. It's amazing. It's it's, and I can't really fully describe it besides um that so it's been a really dope journey a little side note so um this is airing in november of 2020 i was reaching out to a bunch of travel companies about sponsorship for the international black women travel jubilee and came across sizzy g which i did not know was owned by a black woman (laughs) um So that's how I got to meet Jalen and she's just been so dope. So she's also presenting a session for uh, the virtual um, version of that, which is Rally and Rejoice, um, which is happening as we're talking right now in October. (laughs) So that's that's the session she's talking about uh, that will be airing actually on October 11th. So, yes. That's all so dope. It seems like you really like cultivate a lot of wellness and mental hygiene. So it also seems like you multitask a lot. 
like everything has to have a meaning. Everything has a, a means to an end. So like you, you took a solo trip to Spain and um, mm-hmm. you also like talk about like pampering yourself, like luxury travel for black women and how important mm-hmm. that is to just do something for you. And I hope that you practice that so much more <laughs> now that you, you know, it's at the front of your mind or what have you, because it just seems like you are just all work. So, so you, you know, you did your degrees, <laughs> you went straight, you went straight into your master's. And even during your summers, you know, you had your internships, Procter and Gamble and Nestle. Um, and then after graduating, went straight into your career as it is now. And then you're also like, building these these platforms CZG as the trips then you have travel teak to fund your CZG foundation so you're just like at it <laughs> hungrily hungrily at it um I am i am you talk about <laughs> failure as a part of the process so I suppose maybe this is the scientist mm-hmm. in you because I don't know that the normal person processes failure the same, right? So you say fail fast, <laughs> fail often, fail and bounce back. Um, you also talk about like mm-hmm. the whole process. You say it hits different when you do it all for yourself. And you talk about the energy of the mind is the essence mm-hmm. of life. Talk about how all of that how all of these things are G are connected and corresponding. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I, I would say that definitely. So my friends, it's so funny because I was having a conversation with one of my good friends who's in that entrepreneurship circle. And I was running by her the session topic. And I was like, yeah, like, I feel like this would be good. Like this, you know, feels like me. And she responded. She was like, girl, like, if anybody can talk about that, you can. And she said, like, you somehow managed to build a business, have a career and still love life and enjoy yourself. And like, you know, like you still like I, I still definitely embrace the social aspect of life. You know, like I love hosting it. My friends would say I'm a social butterfly. I don't think I'm 100 percent that. Um, but I just like love having fun, you know, so I refuse to feel like I have to pick one thing personally. Like I absolutely refuse to feel like that because I think that all of it just works together for my happiness personally. And so because I have that mindset, I am always like, I am always doing stuff, you know, and it, and the, the great thing for me at least is that a lot of what I do really work together, you know, like building my business for travel. Um, I travel a lot for work. I work with food. I work with food in my business. Um, I love hosting people personally and organizing things. Like all of it really works together. Like there's so much that overlaps that I think that it's just who I am. And it never really feels like, oh my gosh, like you're just doing too much, you know? Like there are obviously some side projects that are not always as congruent, but overall, like everything works together for me and it 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 does equal like my best life like it does like like I love it I love you know that my company trusts me to lead a project and execute a study in Korea so you know like that's a dope experience just being 20 I think I was 26 at the time being a 26 year old doing that and then also while I'm there I'm like oh let me go check out this cooking class because you never know like I might bring Syzygy back and so I went and I did that while I was out there 
you know, with my company. And, you know, like that's me then kind of basically scouting and creating content that we could potentially use or, you know, all of that works together so much for me. So although I do a lot and I do a lot, definitely do. It all feels good. And I have to take breaks because of that though, too, like, because it, everything feels the same sometimes it's like, okay, like forcing myself to, to take those breaks. And I actually just got back from a solo trip because I was starting to feel a little overwhelmed. And um, I went to, it's funny because the town is called Carefree, Arizona, which was what I needed it to be. And so I went there and I spent four days at this really nice spa. It was like a health, wellness, and spa called Savannah in Arizona, just outside of um, the Scottsdale, Phoenix area. And that was amazing just to up- unplug. And I went by myself and I hung out with myself and I meditated, um, I hiked. Like, it's so important to interrupt sometimes your normal um, I guess you're just your norm, your life with those kinds of things that force you to be still and present. And because I'm a busybody, like that's something I have to do. So I love doing those things by myself, especially because oftentimes when I do travel, it's not for me, it's for Syzygy or it's for my job um, or it's with friends, you know, like whatever the case, like it's really for me, just a hundred percent. So that was for me and that felt really good. And I think, um, honestly, all of it just just works so well together for the balance of my life. And I know that not many people believe in balance, but I kind of do in a sense. And some things weigh a little bit more than others sometimes. But I think, like, I just believe you can do it all. And, like, even if you got to, like, lessen something for a little bit just to get more out of something else, that's fine, too. That's at your discretion. But... For me, that's why I'm always probably doing things because I think I, I can and, and I and you can. I feel like you can. Um, and then you mentioned like the fail fast, fail often. And that's probably also why I'm, why I'm always doing things because I think like you can't learn from something until you try it. And so that's how I feel. And like you learn from it being successful or you learn from it failing. Either way, you learn. And but you can't get either one of those things unless you actually try and start. And so that's why I'm kind of also trying things out sometimes is like, well, like I want to learn from it, you know, like and that's kind of how I think about failure just to kind of put a positive spin on it, because I think it has such a negative connotation. And I mean, like, yeah, it can be really it can be really bad. (laughs) You know, it's not necessarily 100 percent positive, but. I think if you change your mindset, you'll at least want to start it, you know, like you won't be afraid of the failure. You'll embrace the opportunity to learn from your experience as opposed to never starting because of the fear of it failing. And so that's what I mean when I say fail fast, fail often. And I think I picked that up somewhere at a conference, like that exact same. I cannot remember what conference it was, but it helped me change my mindset. And so it's like you just kind of have to go into it fearless, honestly. And with faith, like I um, I have 100% um, faith in everything that I'm doing. And that grounds me too. And it kind of just arms me a little bit better when I do try new things out or take on new projects. But it's exciting. It's exciting to to want to embrace the opportunity to learn and look at things like that. So 
all of that definitely works together for me. Like it, it, it 100% works together for me. Well, that's dope. You know, it's important to find what works for you. And like you said, you have innate wisdom. So you said that things are getting too much. Or even when you took that solo trip to Spain, you said, I just need to go yeah. somewhere by myself for myself, you know, um, and being able to trust yourself to give yourself what you need when you need it. That's really magical because some people, you know, aren't even to that point. Um, so, and that's where the burnout comes in. So that wisdom that you have about what you need, that's really dope. But you, you do seem like we were talking before um, I started recording and I was telling you about my vision of, <laughs> you know, Black women not being productive for the sake of producing, but doing something that sets them on fire. And all of this very much seems to yeah. be that for you, the, the way you talk about it. Thank you. It is. It is that. And I agree with you. I feel like I want every day of my life to have purpose, have impact. Like, I don't want to settle for what I'm being given. You know, like that's easy. That's too easy for me. <laughs> I love a challenge. I think that is a beauty in life. Um, I think that, you know, for many of us, there's, we have the privilege of exploring new things and, and, you know, like certain things are limitless. So, why not do that? And I, I 100% pursue things that do set me on fire. That's kind of what motivates me every day. You know, like that feeling of the, of the purpose of the vision. I'm so blessed to have that because that's what, that's what gets me through, honestly. I could not imagine living a life without that. And I think that's why I am a busybody. And who I have no idea what it would look like, what my life would look like if I didn't have that desire Um I will probably be bored. Like, I can't imagine not wanting more for myself. And then, you know, another part of that too, and what I'm doing and creating is like, I want more for other people too. Like, I want them to experience new things. I want, you know, them to have the access. Like, I, I want to, like, I think that's why I got into the service kind of business a little bit. Um, more so was because like, I felt like it was just an opportunity to provide a new experience for people, a new way of thinking, new, new way of life. And then with the sound, the foundation's efforts, it's kind of taken that even further and kind of thinking like, man, like my current target market, you know, they're young professionals between the ages of like 24 and 35. Um, but how do we like, how do we get to a point where like you're a 34 year old and you've never you don't have a passport, you know, like what, what does it look like to actually work backwards from there and make a difference there? And so that's why with the foundation efforts, we have a program where we're giving passport scholarships out to students, you know, students of color. And in hopes that we don't, then we can kind of fix the whole, well, I'm 34 and I've never, I don't have a passport or I've never traveled anywhere, you know, like, I want more of us to travel and have these opportunities. So I'm just, I'm thinking about it from different angles. Like, what does it look like? And I'm just trying things out right now. Honestly, Wanda, like maybe in three years we'll operate differently and we'll find, you know, more efficiencies in what we're trying to do, but this is what I have for now. And so this is what I'm going to do. And I'm, 
I'm I'm hopeful that it will become something bigger and greater and it, it already has in all honesty, but this is just kind of like what I'm working on for now. And that's what fuels me every day, honestly. How important is curiosity to you? Well, I think being a scientist, definitely important. <laughs> um, it's super important to remain curious. I think it's also super, I think it's super important to re- remain curious because it's super important to remain teachable. And I think they work hand in hand because if you're curious, you'll ask questions or you'll look things up and you'll learn. Um, and so I think that that's something that I value in life is just being a life learner. And so curiosity is definitely where that kind of starts at. And do you have any hobbies or interests that aren't about making money? <laughs> that's so funny because somehow, sometimes I'm like, ooh, how can I make money out of this? Because <laughs> we're always talking about diversifying streams of income and stuff, right? Like building generational wealth, especially as black, being a Black uh, woman. So I can't even, you know, sometimes think, ooh, like, what can I do with this? But I love hosting my friends over. I love having like a wine and tapas kind of like things. Um, I love, I still love going out and trying new restaurants. It's kind of my love language too. Um, I want to say I love working out, but I can't say I love it. But I like to look and feel good. I love to look and feel good. So whatever it means to do that. <laughs> I love like to do them that. bikini pictures. I mean, <laughs> she's out. <laughs> she's showing flesh. <laughs> I think that there's just so much, um, you know, like there's so much work and self-love, right? And I I think that certain things just feel really good when you get there and you kind of just embrace it. And so you want to stay there. So I do things that definitely help me feel good and look good. Like that's, I never want to look back and be like, oh man, like I used to feel so much better when I was like 26 or 20 or I looked so much better. Like I want to always feel good about myself. So, so definitely, you know, enjoy trying to work out and, and I love a challenge in that too. Even on my trip, like probably by the middle of the hike I was like oh no but by the end of it I was like I'm so happy I did that (laughs) so that's what my that's what my workouts look like honestly (laughs) with my trainer um I love to read I think I uh have gained a greater infinity for it over the few months honestly um and so I put two books at the end of my session and I recommend it to people that were really great reads for me during this time as an entrepreneur one of them was written by a Black woman, Arlen Hamilton, and um, her book was really great. So I enjoy reading and taking notes what I'm reading. I think everything I do feeds me in some way, though. Like, even if it's not paying me, it's somehow it's good for me still, right? So I don't know. I don't, even, I don't know if that's intentional fully, but that feels good that naturally I'm just taking care of myself, I guess. Not like mind, body, spirit. Would you mind sharing your self-care practices? No. Um, and I should, I need to get better at them because I think sometimes they're, they're isolated. Like, you know, my trips, like the whole trip's like self-care, but, but like day to day, I think for me, like reading has become a, a part of my self-care routine. Um, sometimes cleaning also, like if I, if my space is junky, I can't like mentally, mentally, I'm not going to be at my best. So sometimes like cleaning, um, Anything that means like I'm being intentional and taking the time to take care of myself, that's self-care to me. 
And so I definitely practice that daily and it kind of looks different each day, but I have things set up in my, in my calendar. So that way I make sure I'm able to to do it. Come through. If it's not scheduled, it's not going to (laughs) happen. not gonna happen (laughs) it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen like when it should and then it probably won't happen just because timing's off (laughs) so yes do you have any song lyrics or poem that speaks to you these days Hmm. song lyrics (sighs) i'm sure i do but why can't i think of anything i bet you if i went through my notes i could find something um song lyrics or a poem I can't think of any. I can't think of any right off. I'm sorry. (laughs) Good question, though, because I'm always like listening and like writing notes. So I'm sure I have something in my notes of like a song that I heard. I was like, ooh, like either this would be a dope caption one day or like this would be a dope like (laughs) to share with somebody like, yeah, girl, I heard this somewhere. All, uh, all along, Beyonce said it. <laughs> okay. The whole time. Everything, yeah, yeah. All roads lead to Beyonce. <laughs> That's a good question. I wish I could think of you know, Okay. Answer. If I think of something, I'll share it when I start, when I promote my stuff. I'll put it there. <laughs> and Jalen, I always like to have guests share how they like to be supported by listeners. Mm-hmm. So how can listeners support your work, basically? <laughs> um, definitely check out our Instagram pages. Um, the main one is Sizzigy Travel. It's S-I-Z-I-J-E Travel. Um, and then we have the Sizzigy Foundation and we have Shop with Travel Teak. My personal Instagram is L-L-Cool-J-H-A-E. Um, you could Feel free to engage with me there. And then our website is Um, We have some trips coming up for 2021. Obviously, we're, you know, optimistic, but also we're preparing for the worst. So we'll have some flexibility in our offerings. But one of the ones I'm really excited about is um, we have a trip to Morocco. And we're actually working with a Black-owned boutique hotel to host us over there in Marrakesh. And we'll be going live on IG soon. We'll probably continue to do that um, probably throughout the fall a little bit to talk a little bit about more about trips. So definitely check out our Instagram page to learn more. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing so much of your journey, so much of your passion and your drive. It's been really dope to talk to you. No, thank you, Wanda, for putting this all together. Thank you for your ministry and travel for Black women and um, the conference, the podcast, the opportunities, the groups, all of that. Definitely appreciate it. So thank you. Well, I will link all of your resources in the show notes and we will see you out in the internet streets. <laughs> thank you. Have a great day or night. I can't remember. Thank you. Yes, night. <laughs> okay, awesome. All right. Thank you, Jalen. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.